Glory, glory, Sacramento! Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I am your host, Zach Winnick, and it was a tough weekend. It was a sad weekend, but hopefully we can bring some joy. No one can bring some laughter. Um, and we can also talk a little bit about this season as a whole uh, moving forward in today's podcast. But before we get into that, I am joined by Scott Waits, my co-host. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, you know, just, just out here surviving, I guess. I don't know what to say. Uh, no, I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing, Zach? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm ready to talk about some soccer. Yeah, you know, you're a little tired. I'm over here sipping my Grande Ice Pumpkin Spice Latte. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's decaf, though, so it wouldn't have helped you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is later in the afternoon, so I didn't yes. want to, you know, stay up super late because I got a long day tomorrow. But, um, yeah, let's just uh, hop into the news, Zach. What do we got? Well, there's quite a few news items today. Starting off, USA, they will be having, the U.S. men's national team will be having friendlies with their Euro-based squads. Now, this is not actually technically public information. It's not confirmed. It was, it was leaked, I guess you could say, by Serginho Dest in a post-match in which he, I believe, um, cited Australia and Wales as being the two teams we would have friendlies with in London. It was either like a post-match or like a post-training or he was yeah. like talking to someone after training. I don't know exactly what Some happened. Some sort of, yeah, but somehow interview-esque. He said, yeah, London in November, these are the teams. Yeah. I think those are the teams. I couldn't actually go back and find yeah. where I saw this. So um, that's yeah. a thing that might be happening. Yay. That would be cool, yeah. Are you excited to play either Australia or Wales? Yeah, yeah, I am. Wales is a decent team. Australia is Australia is a decent team too. Um, and I'm just I think excited Wales is to probably see. the better team. Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm still excited to see just this. I'm more excited. Like I don't care who you throw up against them, especially in a friendly. I just want to see them play together. Um, that's definitely like uh, enticing for me um, to watch. Hopefully, I can watch it. It'll be in London. I'm hoping it'll be on something, ESPN or Fox. It'll one of those. They, I think, TNT, they own whatever it, it is. ESPN and Fox, I think, own the rights. So okay. the friendlies, maybe one on ESPN, one on Fox, something like that. That'd be great. Um, well, let's talk about the off-season schedule. So yes. what we have coming up for you, at least in the short term, uh, is going to be uh, a, a three-week kind of review of the season. Um, but how it's going to look is this episode is going to review our playoff loss to Phoenix, and the season as a whole. We're going to try to pull out some major uh, things, make some comparisons to other seasons, other coaches, other players, things like that. Uh, and we're going to uh, just kind of leave it there and, and marinate, let that marinate on mm-hmm. you. Compare this season to other seasons in this game, uh, go over this past game. And then in the upcoming weeks, uh, we are going to go over our season superlatives. So last year we did mid-season superlatives and end of the season superlatives. This year we're just doing end of the season superlatives. And that's how this is going to break down. We're going to have four in the first show in part one of season superlatives and three in part two. The first four are most surprising player, most disappointing player, top goal scorer, Mm -hmm. and uh, last one, just want to check my... Uh, most improved player, sorry. Mm, gotcha. So most improved, most surprising. So those are similar, but not quite the same. Most disappointing, and then top goal scorer. Obviously, the top goal scorer we already know. But 
I just we, we just need to talk about it. It's yeah. it's uh, Formella, but yeah. we will we'll talk about that and, and you know why and that's important play, and, and all that yes, kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, part two is where it gets a little bit more juicier. So we have mm. um, midfielder of the year, defender of the year, and also team MVP. Uh, so yeah, that's where team MVP. yeah and i have asked uh, i have actually told uh, the other people on the podcast but um i've asked matt george to come on that show yeah and how these shows work just so everyone is aware what we're gonna do is we're gonna make our list okay so zach's gonna make his list for part one i'm gonna make my list nolan will make his list and we're not gonna compare notes and we're gonna come and we're gonna say okay who who do you think it is zach make your case in one minute that Nolan, who do you think it is? Make your case. Scott, make your case. And then maybe we'll come to a consensus. We might have all the same names. Yep. They might all be different. That's kind of the joy of how we're going to do this, is we yeah. get to see how we all think and if we can come to a conclusion. Um, and then for part two, we're going to have Matt George in as well. So we'll have four opinions on who the midfielder is, who the defender is, and who the team MVP is and stuff like that. So that is the season breakdown uh, for immediately – following this playoff loss okay after that we will go to our off-season schedule which is every other week shows and the first shows will probably be uh something about the squad i think that's what we did last year was like who what players do we want to see back um and why and why what players do we want to not see back and why what players do we think will be back which is maybe different and why things like that we'll probably spend a couple weeks on that that'll get us to december christmas break yeah we'll take we'll we'll record um a show early it'll maybe be an interview something like that we'll take a little bit of a break so we get of a break and then when we come back in january that's when things um there's more news to account for so players have signed players have left we'll cover that we'll talk about players that we want to see brought in what type of players we want to see brought in um and then all of a sudden in the middle of February, we We're have back. friendlies, yeah. and we start to uh, maybe not be back every week in February, but definitely uh, in March, we will probably be back mm-hmm. every week. The season will pick up in yeah. the middle of March. And so hopefully, we'll be at games and, and seeing people. Yes, hopefully we will be at games seeing you guys. So that's the off-season schedule for you in a nutshell. Uh, Zach, what's next? Yeah, a couple more news items, uh, one of them being Jill Ellis. The former U.S. women's national team coach, who is decorated, to say the least, um, is at least being rumored is on the list for the potential head coaching position at D.C. United. Which is a men's team. Which is a men's MLS team, yes. Which would be the first woman as a head coach in the MLS. I think it would probably be the first. I would have to, I would have to double check this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and say with some confidence that this would be the first female head coach of a men's yeah. team, like pro team in the in a top flight. In a top flight, yeah. F- for the U.S. I don't know about other countries. Yeah. But like... Probably and, for for most of the world, at, at least. Probably. But I'm, th- I'm talking NFL, NBA, oh, yeah, yeah. MLB, yep. uh, the NFL's NHL, had a couple and Major League Soccer. Women in assistant roles um, in the NFL. Um, but no head coaching positions have been given to a female. And she's, as you said, Zach, very well qualified. Yeah. Like, yes, there's, absolutely. I don't think there's a question no. that she's a good coach. No. Right. She's, no. she's led the U.S. women's national team to multiple World Cup victories. Yeah. And and so many other just tournaments and just, you name it, she's got it. Yeah. 
and she's had it many times. <laughs> like she's won it many times. Whatever tournament it was, whatever FIFA thing it was, it, she's won it a lot. Yeah. So uh, that's Jalel, and that, you know that's going to be very interesting to see how that all yeah. unfolds. Um, all right, moving on. Major League Soccer, two teams, the MLS two teams. So uh, think your LA Galaxy twos, your Portland Timber twos. Some of those teams are going to be leaving. Okay. Um, the ones that were reported, I believe, were Philadelphia, Portland, and another Eastern Conference team. That was reported roughly a day ago, so that would be like October 13th, October 12th, sometime in there. And then that afternoon or the next day, so the, the 13th, the 14th, it was reported that Major League Soccer is going to launch their Reserve League, so their U23 League, which, uh-huh. if you listen to this show, you can remember our interview with Dennis Sanchez a few months ago where he said that Major League Soccer wants to have a U23 league. Um, and I, if I recall, he answered that that was an answer to a question about will Sac Republic have a USL championship team or a League One team in the future when they go to Major League Soccer. And his response is, well, Major League Soccer wants to have a U23 team. So if you listen to the show, this isn't going to be a big surprise to you, but for everyone else it is. So, uh, you're probably going to see some of those teams leave. Like I, and Portland, I think is the the one that's named. Um, they'll probably not be here for next year. Which shed a tear for Portland. Pour one out. I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to miss them. Nah. Um, <laughs> and so the Western Conference might look a little bit smaller. The Eastern Conference might look a little bit smaller. Uh, and that that's that's really the news there. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay because there's a these are pretty massive conferences to begin with yeah and i think the idea here on the major league soccer side is uh you as major league soccer get to control your player development more if you have your own reserve league so you set your own rules set Mm -hmm. your own standards stuff like that for usl i think this is good because you get the uh i guess the moniker or the the uh uh the identity of being a reserve league away from you yeah so you might just be the championship farm team as you will but you're fully professional teams in the championship you're not the galaxy reserves or uh the seattle reserve team league you know what i'm saying hopefully that will raise the competition level yeah raise the competition level it makes it more marketable yeah true uh makes it a bit maybe more attractive for some players um and maybe makes it more attractive for investment that you're not having to compete with that uh, identity. Yeah, so I absolutely. think that's good all around. Do you know, can you think of any negatives off the top of your head, Zach? No, definitely. I don't think that there's a negative for the USL. I think there's, it's all positives for the USL. I think it's all positives for MLS too. I think it's it's a, a win-win for both. That is the news for today. I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Nolan for his hot take. Nolan, go ahead and take it away for us. Hey guys, this is Nolan coming at you with my quick take for the week. I'm sure many of us here know by now that the Republic's playoff push came to a cruel and controversial end in their matchup against the Phoenix Rising this past Saturday. The game looked to be heading towards a penalty shootout when, deep into the second half of extra time, Solomon Asante lapsed into a habit of his former days as a professional Quidditch player and punched Asante Moore cross into the back of Sacramento's net. Now, one of my COVID hobbies has been reading through the Harry Potter book series. In fact, I was reading through the third book, Prisoner of Azkaban, as I cried myself to sleep after the match. Solomon Asante's Quidditch-approved goal, along with the fact that Phoenix Rising are by now the most hated team in all the USL, has got me thinking about all the other similarities between the Harry Potter 
book series in the Phoenix-Sacramento playoff drama. I'd like to share a few of them with you. First off, it just goes without saying that the Phoenix Rising are the USL corollary of Slytherin House. They are just the worst. In that same vein, Phoenix Rising star striker Rufat Dadashov is 100% Draco Malfoy. Not only does he whine and complain to all the refs like Draco does to the staff at Hogwarts, he also just straight up looks like him. Do some googling and you'll be freaked out by the similarity. Solomon Asante and Santi Moore are much like Draco Malfoy's henchmen Vincent Crabbe and Gregory Goyle, who go around aiding and assisting Draco slash Rufat in all his dubious deeds. And finally, I have to say that Didier Drogba, Champions League winner, one of the greatest strikers in the modern game, and part owner and former player for the Phoenix Rising, is the Phoenix equivalent of Lord Voldemort. Without Drogba's influence, the Rising would be pretty freaking lame and toothless. And the same can be said about Slytherin House without Voldemort. Now, unlike Slytherin slash Phoenix Rising, the Sacramento Republic exude class, character, and grace as an organization both on and off the pitch. They are the Harry Potter equivalent of Gryffindor. Although they may have fell in this time to the evil Slytherin slash Phoenix Rising, if the book series is any indication of future success, then Sacramento certainly has a bright future ahead of them. Of course, Gryffindor slash Sacramento are not perfect. They have their fair share of ding-dongs amidst their ranks. I'm sorry, Deckel Keenan, that we always pick on you. You're actually an invaluable member and player of the Sacramento Republic community, but come on. If anyone is the corollary of the accident-prone, slightly slow, and sometimes forgetful but always lovable Neville Longbottom, it's you. Sacramento slash Gryffindor are, are also led by someone who you just know you can trust. The twinkle in his eye and his calm demeanor, even in the most trying of times, makes head coach Mark Briggs remarkably similar to Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore. The man has a plan, people, and I can't wait to see it actualized on the pitch next season. And finally, the chosen one. The young, talented, and noble character who will carry Gryffindor slash Sacramento into a bright new future, and this might also be a bold prediction for the 2021 season. Mario Panagos makes the perfect Harry Potter. You just can't hate either of them. And I think that once Panagos gets his new Nimbus 2000, I mean, gets some more minutes on the field, he will truly show up for Sacramento. Anyway, that's my lighter, slightly goofier, hopefully entertaining take of the week. Thanks so much for listening. And now, back to the show. All right. Thank you, Nolan, for that uh, great parallel. I uh, love Harry Potter. A beautiful parallel between uh, this wonderful game and the wonderful books of Harry Potter. Zach, if you could be any Harry Potter character in real life, like that is yeah. actually who you are, who would you be? Because I know you've watched the movies yeah. at least many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love... so. Nolan brought him up. Neville Longbottom is I just watching his kind of character development through all those books, all the movies is just so awesome. I would love to be Neville at the end, (laughs) but Neville at the end. Yeah. Neville, Neville, as he has fully like become his beautiful butterfly of a self. You don't want to be Neville from the first book that gets like frozen by Hermione or whatever. Nobody wants to be that chunker of a boy. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that Neville. So like when I say that I like Harry Potter, my detox from like the fall semester for my undergrad uh, when I was at Sac State 
was going into my room, shutting the door, and watching all the Harry Potter movies, like back to back to back to back to back to back to back. So I'd watch like the first three, day one. And then day two, I'd maybe watch the next like two or three. And then the next day, watch like the next whatever until I was done. And that was like my don't talk to me. I'm sleeping. I can wake up any point and like know what's going on. Yeah. And that was like my like, okay, I'm I'm rested. I've like watched my my one of my favorite series. <laughs> I'm ready I'm to like, enter the world again. <laughs> I'm ready to like have uh, like holiday time with my family, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, and and so when I first met you, this you were doing this. And so when I went into college, I adopted this myself. So all through college, I, I did the same thing. After the fall semester, I'd watch Harry Potter. And after the spring semester, I'd watch Lord of the Rings. And that would be my thing. And Lord of the Rings, after the spring semester, it would take three days. Watch the first one the first day, second one the second day, third one the third day. And I'd watch the extended versions so over four hours. Oh, man. And it was great because uh, same thing. I would wake up. I'd know where I was. It was perfect. Great detox. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you're in college and you're looking for a kind of something to help you enable yourself to like rest for a few days after uh, finals, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. Pro or, tip from Scott or, and Zach. Or maybe it's uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Or maybe yeah, it's yeah. Star That's Wars. Long, yeah. Or maybe yeah, Star Wars is a good one. Uh, I don't know. What's another Hunger series? Games? Hunger Games, yeah. Yeah, something. Something like that. Um, it's a great idea. It honestly is. It's such a the, good what's detox. The vampire? Movies. Oh, um, Twilight. Twilight, yeah. If you want to be yeah, a little tween. Yeah. Yeah. I can't watch those. They're too much for me. Like, honestly, I can watch High School Musical over Twilight. Well, yeah, you your family loves High School Musical. Yeah, but, like, I get that High School Musical is super cringy. But, like, <laughs> Twilight for me is, like, it's too much. I don't know why, but it's just too much for me. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, let's talk about this <laughs> game review. And on that note, let's get into this game review. Uh, So, okay. All right, so we're, we're going to start. A seven minute clock here. Yeah. And we're just going to talk about what we're going to talk about. And once the seven minutes are over, we're going to move on. Because at the end of the day, me and Scott, we don't want to talk about so, this for forever. So how about, <laughs> let me give the lineup. You for start sure. the timer. All right. Phrase your first question. Got you. No, have you? don't start it now. I'm saying. No, I haven't yet. I haven't oh, okay, yet. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll, yeah. So the lineup. Uh, Rafa Diaz in, in goal. Mm-hmm. And then left to right was Shannon Gomez at left back. Yes. Deckel and Tomas Hilliard Arce, or, you know, whatever. Flipped Hilliard Arce, Deckel, doesn't matter. Yeah. And then McCrary at right back. Le- Gomez was in because Barahona was hurt. That was kind of a surprise. We found that out midweek, though. So yeah. uh, if you're following us on Twitter, you you saw Barahona's tweet. It was in mm-hmm. Spanish. You could translate it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and then your midfielders were AWO because Gundrick was still hurt. He was on the bench. We talked about that yep. with uh, Rich from Rise of the Republic. Rich we we yep. said that might be a possibility, so not a su- not a surprise. And then uh, Villarreal and Roro is playing further up. Mm-hmm. Again, I-, I don't think that's a surprise. And then your forwards were Formella, Belmar, and Bijev. Mm-hmm. I think the only other thing of note was Werner did not travel yeah, because he, he was go. hurt. Like yep. He didn't even go. And uh, it was a little odd to not see Ash yeah, in the 18. yeah. Uh, with a hurt with a hurt hurt so a little odd there last thing Sargis on the bench yep again we said it uh, apparently not a lot of people thought that that was going to happen because I'm looking on Twitter like game day and people are like oh for sure Sargis is starting and I was like for sure he's not starting we we talked about this Um, so that was the only other I I think maybe thing we needed to mention Uh, and I don't know. Is there anything else from the lineup before we no. start our timer? No, I okay. think that's about it from the lineup. Um, from the game itself, I, 
this is a playoff game, so do you start your timer? Yeah, there we go. We're there giving we ourselves go. seven minutes, we're and then being we're moving very on. Very rigid. <laughs> um, from from the from the start of it, like this is a playoff game, um, and because it's a playoff game, it's just naturally going to be intense. Uh, that's really the only thing that made this game intense. It was extremely boring. <laughs> yeah, I, so I think you can you can see Sacramento's kind of slide in control mm-hmm. of the game, first half to second half to extra time. Yeah, so, fair. So the first half, Formella has a really good chance, right? There's yeah. uh, a ball on the wing, over, big ball over the top to BJ. Right he of controls the it. Yep. He plays it back across he somebody plays it across i can't remember uh, who it is belmar does is it belmar belmar plays and it across the player in front uh i believe it is it uh villarreal i think had maybe gotten forward or something like maybe. that maybe there's a player that dummies it to formella and formella he, he just doesn't power it home he yeah. well he places it he home. just puts it at the goalie yeah but it was a, a good save it was the in my opinion, it was the best chance of the first half. yeah it was the Asante best chance. did have Absolutely. a free kick that hit the bar yes and that true was a, good free kick does a great free kick but we said you have to get a little lucky in the playoff game true that was our bit of luck that was it right there asante doesn't do what asante normally does so and we also said you need a little bit of magic and formella didn't have that little bit of magic to to finish so Mm -hmm. that was really the first half i mean yeah it was a good first half i don't feel like any team got into a rhythm no and and i think you kind of brought this up last week kind of anticipating what we would see um and you'd made a comment about both of these teams are going to um look to eliminate each other's a game and eliminate each other's top strengths right if you could remind us kind of what you said i was basically saying you have 16 games of film yeah on your your opponent you know what their plan a is so you're going to go out to try to take away that plan a so what happens when that team takes away your plan A, the thing you want to do? What's your plan B? So I said, whoever has the better plan B, that's who's going to win. Um, and I think we saw that Sacramento's, Sacramento normally wants to press. They did not press almost yeah. at all this game. They very much wanted to sit back, absorb pressure, and play on the counter. And there's nothing yep. wrong with that. And I think, honestly, it was, it was kind of working. I, I thought so, yes. So... I thought they played well together too. And when you play that way, you have to do it in unison. Yeah. The the forwards, the midfielders, and the back line have to move together because you don't want to create um, gaps. And I thought they did that well. And I thought they attacked balls at the right moments. Um, and yeah, I thought. And, and again, what that is, is taking away Phoenix's A game. Yeah. And I think a little bit more of the same narrative in the second half. Phoenix definitely had, I feel like, more, uh, not only chances, but they just had more control. Sacramento, again, Formella did have another chance. Yeah. He, where he could have probably should have put that ball away. Yeah. But again, like seemingly everything's kind of going as Sacramento drew it up. Like mm-hmm. you, you know you're going to give Phoenix more of the ball. You know that you're going to try to break, break up their play. You're going to try to not allow them to get into too much of a rhythm to create a ton of chances. And for the most part, it was... It was working. Yeah, you got your chance in the second half, just like you did in the first half, and you're not able to put mm-hmm. that ball away. So honestly, I have to, I kind of have to tip my hat very bigly here to Briggs. 
because mm. it takes a lot of cojones <laughs> to say, this is how I play. Yeah. This is my style of play. But you know what? The biggest game of the season, I'm going to go away from it. Yeah. And if it didn't work, I think we would have been hammering him saying, what were you thinking? True. But it did work. It, it did work, yeah. Arguably, this game could have been 2-0 Sacramento yeah. at end of regulation. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the reality. And you're doing that with not your starting left back. You're doing that with not your starting goalie. You're doing that with no uh, not your starting. Yep, your cent- starting central midfielder and captain. Yeah, Skundrich. Yep. I, I mean, I, I have to say, Briggs. I I think showed that he can be tactically flexible. Yeah, uh, which is huge. I and, mean, you just have to be. And not only tactically flexible, but to be tactically flexible and to still, uh, what's the word? To still execute. Yes. Um, and to execute well. Yes. Um, and that's that's a great that's a great sign for us moving forward yeah. and to I, see in our head coach. And I think we have to say same thing for the players. You showed yeah. that yeah, you fair. can implement a, a game plan that you haven't done this whole season and be good at it. Yeah. So going again, going into extra time, I was in my head thinking Sacramento has let go let go control of this game and they are going to just sit back and absorb and they're going to cross their fingers and pray for that counter. Yeah. And I, well, and there was even, an, there were some okay chances. Not even like cross One your fingers. Like goal. they, I thought they did a good job of like looking for their chances, looking for those opportunities to capitalize. This game needed a Sam Warner type of player. Off yeah. The bench. That's fair. It, yeah, it needed that attacking player that would still uh, hustle back. High defense, energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also be like, look, I can take any player on one-on-one on this field, yeah. create a, sh- a shooting opportunity, and make mm-hmm. something happen. You you needed that six-man in basketball type yeah. of player to just go out there and take control for yep. a minute, and and we really missed that. I think we really missed that. I think that's a good point. I honestly didn't really think about that until now, and or, I think that's a or, good point. Or it was you know a, a cam coming on the field if, and do yeah. that didn't Ugh. happen, yeah. or whatever. So if that cam was could get back. To his ways. Yeah. So, like I said, the first half, no shots on target for Phoenix. The extra time, I think they had six shots on target to Sacramento's one. Yeah. That That's much the type more, of conceding control that I was talking about. Yeah. Much and more lopsided. But still, it was still a bend and not break. Zach, how much time do we have left? We have half a minute. <laughs> okay. Well, let's pause it and let's say we're, we're going to, we're just going to talk about this handball really fast and yep. then we'll be done. Yep. We'll do. So, I think we've done a good job of. We've done a good job, of, yeah, quickly. restraining ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> from okay, going too long. You, why don't you uh-huh. start, and then I'll jump, and then we'll go back and forth. We'll do so. Just to remind you guys that in extra time, um, zero zero score, a ball is played into, or no, a ball is worked from the flank inside, and a shot is taken from Junior Fleming's back. Santi Moore. Santi Moore, a hard strike, and that ball um, at the top of the eighteen ricochets off of a five foot three Solomon Asante um, very quickly in live it looks like a kind of an awkward goal but a good goal um, and we go down one nothing however on Twitter we see a very up close slow motion that very clearly shows us Solomon Asante literally punches this ball into the net and so we lose this game, one nothing off a handball in extra time. Scott, thoughts? Okay, so I have a couple thoughts. I, I'll start with this one. In real time, I thought, that looks unorthodox. Yeah. 
but he scored. Uh-huh. Like I saw Asante whip his head from you know yeah. outside in to the goal, like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Try, hopefully, you get the audio effect. <laughs> um, like that. Yeah, and I thought, okay, he's a shorter guy. He doesn't head very much. He got it in. Whatever. And then on the replay on TV, I still didn't see it, but the commentator, credit to the commentator, said, I think this is a handball. Mm. Or I think this might be a handball from Asante here. But the ref didn't see it or something like that. And I was still like, okay, I'm not seeing what you're seeing because on TV, the the replay wasn't slow motion. It was yeah. just like a different angle. And I was like, I don't, I don't see what you're seeing. And then, as Zach said, when we went on Twitter... We saw somebody had slowed it down, and you could very clearly see Asante yeah, like was up close, yeah. Like I don't know what what would it call, be <laughs> called? Just literally punched the ball into the net. But like the type of like around, you know, like a like a hook. Yeah, it was like he a like hook, hook yeah. punches this ball in, yeah. and he does it as he's whipping his head across his body. So it it looks like 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 the timing is perfect too. So he did a good job of fooling us. Yeah. Um. I have no idea if he meant to do this or if it was just like, I'm going to throw everything I have and just pray that something gets contact on the ball and it goes in the net. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, it was the shot came in so quickly too. Yeah. I think it was just reflex. Like but, it was that quick like of a shot. But like, Zach, you played soccer. Yeah. Did you ever bring your hand in a fist up no. to your head as you're heading a ball? No, definitely not. But I think honestly it was more of like a, it happened instinctually, like out of a protection for his body. This was because I think it just it, it just came in so quick. I think it was him partly trying to get out of the way, and then also trying to like redirect it. Like I think like it just happened so quickly mm-hmm. that this punch flies in. Yeah. Um, well, it, it definitely had the sacred players. Sac Republic players fooled because nobody yeah nobody protests, nobody did yeah which that's the biggest sign to me I know like, exactly. if somebody sees it they no, protest nobody saw it yeah nobody protested nope um right, we're at ten minutes <laughs> yeah that's, that's kind of my first thought on this this yeah. handball thing my second thought would be and we've talked about this just before the show started mm-hmm. we don't really feel like the referee deserves any sort of not nobody blame see it. more than just like we couldn't hey, see you it players couldn't see it yeah yeah I like exactly we couldn't see it. Why, why are we thinking that the ref should say, oh, well, he's in a better position? Oh, really? Because there's 20 people in the box. Yeah. So uh, are you really saying that he... Who are hyper-focused on the ball. Yeah. And so I, I don't specifically... Like, there's no... No. There's no conversation we need to have about <laughs> refereeing in this country needs to be better. Refereeing needs to be better across the globe. Yeah. Everyone in every league <laughs> says that their refs need to be better. Yeah, that's true. So I, this is no different. And... We were talking about um, just how conditioned we are in this country yeah, especially to have country. video review. Yeah, because of the get, NFL. Yeah. Just go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, well, I think I think it just kind of if, – if you watch the uh, NFL, we, we are conditioned as fans to expect the refs to get every minute detail right. And if they don't, they have a video replay for every single time something is confusing or controversial – as far as a call goes, they this play is under review. I, like it happened, we're conditioned to always like expect that. Mm-hmm. There, there's even calls in uh, the NFL for uh, inconclusive, right? Like so, a coach throws a challenge flag. Mm-hmm. The uh, 
the video referee in the booth in New York yeah. can say, oh, this call is overturned, meaning the coach that threw the challenge flag is right. Is right. He can say, uh, the call is, call is confirmed, yeah. meaning, nope, you're 100% wrong. This yeah. is the right call. Or they can say the call stands, which means it's inconclusive. Yeah. So the, even the NFL with video review has a lane, has a has a middle ground where that says, we don't know if yeah. this is right or wrong. Like that so we small, have to call, that we have minute, to exactly, that minute of a detail, like we, we can't even tell there. And that's what we're conditioned for. But in reality, we are playing mm-hmm. second division U.S. soccer. We do not have VAR, and this is what we this is what we live in. This is yep. the league we play in. Yeah. So, no hate or whatever needs to go to the ref. Not. Nah, I agree. Um, only last thing to add about this game, I think, if you're done with the handball. Are yeah, you? I'm done. I'm done with it. Briggs doesn't bring in his last uh, subs until after this goal goes in. Yeah. And any thoughts? Any concerns? And I think his sub is. Uh, it, it's. It's. Iwasa and somebody else. I can't remember. Uh, Waragi? Mm, I can't remember. It, just in general, like should yeah. he made subs earlier? Would that have brought a spark or something? I, I, I don't know. Honestly, things had gone his way. So that's, if that's, he, if I think that's what I'm like conflicted with is like, like I think on paper you think, yeah, of course, new blood, new energy. Uh, provides a spark but he was getting what he wanted and yeah. we had a couple opportunities and we didn't put them away and it i don't think the game plan changed and i don't think that the game plan should have changed okay so i'm okay with not putting in subs until after that goal score I, I lean a little bit the other way even if okay. you're uh you know you're bringing in a was and he hasn't been on form yeah. it's the playoffs things happen man i'm we just saw somebody punch a goal, punch a ball into the goal. Who's to say Cameron Wassa can't hit a banger to send Sacramento into the next round? So, um, I think that's all I got to say about the game. Good season, good yeah. game for the guys. That everyone worked their butt off. Everyone was in sync with each other. Uh, it's Frankie Lopez. That's who else came on. Oh, was it Frankie Cam Lopez? and Frankie okay. Lopez in the 116th minute? Yeah. So, well, yeah. I think. Well done. Just the organization for this game. I, I'm yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, now we're gonna move to a season review transition part of, here. Yeah, uh, this show, and this one, you know, we spent about thirteen-ish minutes on on this uh, this past game. We'll probably spend a little bit more time. Yeah. on this maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what we kind of want to talk about. We want to compare uh, this season to seasons prior as best we can with COVID and whatever we want to kind of compare seasons we want to uh maybe compare managers mm-hmm. a little bit yeah absolutely um, and then lastly we want to end with just a kind of an open question to us about uh how did this season what did this season mean for sac republic as they build for major league soccer mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we want to do zach do you want to start again and then i will again piggyback off of you if that's okay okay wow i can't speak today <laughs> <laughs> no you're good um yeah, so um, for me, looking at the season as a whole, looking at what we've seen from Briggs, um, overall, I've really liked it. I've really liked what I've seen from Briggs. Last year with Simon, it was very clear, and we've said this on the podcast too, it was very clear that the team lacked identity and the team lacked a solid 
clear system that players knew and felt that um, they could play in and and then play that from that as a foundation, use their strengths um, to put away goals and to stop goals. Um, and so this year, seeing Briggs, I, I I felt I saw a very clear identity and a very clear um, system, especially in the final third, start to develop and um, in the final third and, and even like kind of along the wings and with the fullbacks. Um, and, and that's the, the thing with that is it's going to take time. And that's what's tough, especially with a COVID season, is implementing a, a system like Briggs wants to implement is going to take time. And we saw it grow over the season, um, but I'm really excited to see it continue to grow into next season and hopefully with a full season and with a, a full off season and with players that are um, more um, in tune with what Briggs wants and what this system has and, and how they can use their strengths in that system. Um, and so for me, looking at the season as a whole, I'm very excited moving forward with Briggs um, at the helm. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the Western Conference, and again, I know it's a weird season, but this is what we have to work with, so this is what we have to analyze. Yep. Uh, Sacramento finished fifth. That's fine. That's good. That's, that's yeah, I think that's, that's our, good. The, you know, if this was a, a full season and Sacramento finished fifth in the West, uh, I think everybody at the team, I think every fan uh, player would be like, yeah, that that feels that feels good. We're uh, disappointed mm-hmm. to not finish higher, but we're uh, we're happy with the result that we got. So I, I think you have to keep that in mind a little bit. We've been trending, uh, I, I guess, more negative because uh, things it just doesn't seem like Sacramento's put together a full game other than that Portland Timbers game to end the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a good season. This was good. And I think uh, the pressure was still on, even though it was a COVID season, uh, both players and, and management, and they, they did well. That being said, um, there's definitely room for improvement. And I think if you, and that, that's not, that's not like a negative. That's just no. saying like, yeah, we only played half a season, just like you were saying, like, yeah. Of course, well, there's room for improvement. And, and to your point, we finished fifth. We finished fifth with clear room to improve. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'm 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 feeling very positive right now. Yeah. Like I I don't want this to sound like oh well we only finished. Hey, fifth. we got a lot of work. And to we got do. a lot yeah. of like no no like we finished fifth and like the the room for improvement. Yeah, the ceiling on this team is, is very high. Is a lot higher. Uh, than that. So yeah. I think that's that's very good. And when we look at other places, Sacramento's finished in the league. Uh, they finished. Here, I have it on my phone here. Let me, let me uh, pull that up very quickly. But they've finished uh, second under Precky. Sorry, yeah, second under Precky. And then the next year was like Precky Buckle year. Remember, like Precky yeah, left halfway the mid, mid. Yeah. Uh, so Buckle, I guess, finished fourth, and then Buckle finished first, first, and then eighth, and then second under Elliot, and then seventh under Elliot, and then fifth under Briggs. So this is this is par. For the course, you're not finishing toward the bottom of that playoff bracket. You're right in the middle. And yeah. I think, again, I think that's good. Um, now, comparing Briggs' Briggs's first year to others' first year, like Precky's first year, uh, the team finishes second and then they win the title. Um, Buckle's first year, they finish fourth. It's kind of that middle of the playoff bracket. Mm-hmm. 
Elliott's first year, they finished second in the West, and you're you're very impressed, and you're saying like, "Oh, this team wow, can go. Yeah. This team can do things." I think Briggs is going to have a bit more of a Paul Buckle finishing mid pack, and then Buckle's second year, yeah, they finished first yeah. in the West. They won the Western Conference. Well, I think that's, also wouldn't be the first time that Briggs wins the Western Conference exactly. in the regular season. Exactly. So. I think that's the trajectory this team is having. Mm-hmm. Is that they finish mid pack and it's yeah. good. You're you're happy. But next year they're gonna they're gonna have like a, a ten game win streak type of mm-hmm. type of season where it's like like Briggs had with Real Madrid. Yeah, Marks. where it's like <laughs> he had a nine dude, game who, win streak that who's, 2017 season. Who's gonna catch this team? I mean they've yeah. they've got thirty out of thirty possible points. Like how how is that? Po- I'm not saying to start the season, but I'm just saying there there was a stretch there. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have a stretch like that. Um, does that feel achievable? Yes, I think that definitely feels achievable. Um, and it's something that, um, yeah, I'm excited for. Um, the, the player personnel, I think is going to be interesting. What, what we'll have next year. I'm, I'm, I don't know. And I think as the off season on, you know, develops, it's going to be interesting to see who stays, who goes, because at the end of the day, the majority, the vast majority of the players on this team are Simon Elliott players. And I don't know what Briggs wants to do as far as who he wants to bring in, who he wants to keep. And, and it'll be interesting to see that. And there's also the, the you know, kind of, not wild card, but uh, added complication of Briggs isn't the general manager. That's Todd Donovan. Todd Donovan is the person that brings people in. So you 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 have to think that there's, you know, a little bit of Todd Donovan wanting to, uh, you know, show that the players he brought in are good. Um, yeah. So true, how do you fair. how do you That's fair, how yeah. do you balance that with Briggs saying, but yes, they're good, but they're not good for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. That, that's just the they thing don't that fit happens in, in my sport. systems. Yep. So you know, that's the push and pull from a manager and, and a GM everywhere. Yeah. So if I I think maybe we could just make the blatant statement, like if a lot of these players come back and the team really doesn't change then maybe the ceiling is brought down just a couple notches, you know, where it's like, well, you didn't upgrade this position that you really needed to upgrade. Yeah. Not because the player you have is bad, just because they don't fit. Um, but maybe if a lot of changes are, are uh, a lot of players are brought in, then, you know, maybe you could say the same thing. Like, well, you, there's a lot of people that need to adjust and need to learn the system. Mm-hmm. So that brings your ceiling down a little bit. So maybe there's like a little middle ground where, you keep a good amount of players, but you upgrade specific positions that you needed to upgrade. I think that's probably a, a fair thing yeah. to expect. I would say so. So then let's talk about Briggs's uh, first year uh, compared to his 2017 Real Monarchs mm-hmm. season. Now, Zach and I, I think we both did some research yeah. specifically on this 2017 Real Monarchs mm-hmm. team. This team- Very good team. It's a very good team. As we, as we said, they won nine games in a row. Yeah, there was point. a stretch- um, somewhat early on in the season, I want to say maybe five or so games in where they had won nine games in a row, um, and and won a lot of those handedly. One of those was a two zero loss, or one of those was a two zero loss for Sacramento that Real Monarchs handed um, us. And that year, um, Real Monarchs beat us twice, two two nothing both times. Um, and yeah, they were a very, very good team. They also beat Phoenix, not Phoenix. Well, actually, yes, I think Phoenix once, but Reno handedly a couple times. Yes, and Reno were very good that year. That was Dane Kelly yep. was there that year, won the Golden Boot with them. Um, 
the Real Monarchs, yeah, their nine-game stretch started five. The fifth game of the season was the start of that nine-game stretch of winning, and they won twelve of their first thirteen games. Oh, that's a lot. That's that's insane. That's half the season. Yeah, and I remember them. <laughs> Fading Not quite the, the second season. half of the season. Yeah, they did. They definitely they faded, did. and then they lost to us. And actually, then they lost in the first round playoffs. Yep. Um, but let's just talk pure numbers. So okay. I've got some stats in front of me. Go for it. And I want I want to read these off to you and see if they impress you. I guess. So okay. 2017 Real Monarchs first in the West, 67 points, mm-hmm. 32 game. There's a 32 game season. We were supposed to play a 34 uh, now, but because of COVID, we only played 16. So 32-game uh, season, 67 points, 20 wins, 7 draws, and 5 losses. Okay. 59 goals for, 31 goals against. 31 goals against in 32 games. That's okay. good. For a tw- positive 28-goal differential. It was the um, second-best goal differential in the league. Right. Now, again, 32-game season. Sacramento should have a 34-game season, but a 32-game yeah. season for us is actually good because Sacramento played a 16-game season. So if you multiply Sacramento's stats by two, you get a 32-game season. You can more readily compare it to the 2017 Real Monarchs, which is exactly what I'm going to do right now. Okay. So Sacramento, if you uh, double their points, their win-loss draw record, their goals for and against and everything, this is what you get. You would still get fifth in the West because you would obviously double everybody else else's stats uh but you would get 60 points compared to 2017 real monarchs having 67 points so not that far off you would get 16 wins 12 draws and four losses only four losses that's pretty good you would also have 54 goals scored 34 goals against for a positive 20 goal differential zach do those numbers sound vaguely similar vaguely similar yes they do um which is interesting because we talked about of we, we finished fifth this season real monarchs finished number one in the entire league i believe mm-hmm. number one in the conference number one in the entire league so yeah it is it is interesting that goal differential is like what sticks out to me the 59 four and the the 54 yeah and, and and the plus twenty eight for the Real Monarchs, like that's that's a huge goal differential. Um, yeah, and it's a stat that definitely sticks out to me. Well, I, I think the thing that sticks out to me is if, if looking at the twenty seventeen Monarchs record: twenty wins, seven draws. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you compare that to Sacramento's potential, right? Extrapolate it out: sixteen wins and twelve draws. If Sacramento can take three of those draws and make them wins, that's another, was that six points or so? Yeah, and think about the draws we had this year. Yeah. Think about the Reno draw. Think about the Tacoma draws. Yeah, draws. Two of them. Two of them. Those were winnable games. Those were games that we were the better team in. Yep. Uh, I mean, what what else? We had a a nil-nil with uh, San Diego. Mm. Um, We... Oh, the one-one with Tulsa to start the season. Yeah, I, the one-zero loss to Tacoma at the end of the season when we just it didn't matter anymore. The the one-zero loss to LA Galaxy two when Adam mm-hmm. Grinwitz tore his ACL on yeah, the goal scoring play. Yeah, I, I mean, 
the the opportunity for this team to have like 23 wins and like five draws and two losses or three losses or something like that the opportunity for this team to be one of the best in the league is there and i think that's what we wanted to try to illustrate was comparing the 16 game sample size we have with what could happen in a 32 game sample size and with what briggs has done in a 32 game season we are trying to show that the bar is high Uh, not the bar the the ceiling the ceiling is ceiling is high yeah Yeah, the ceiling the potential the potential is very high for this Mm -hmm. team going into next year um zach anything else we want to talk about before we uh you know ask this last question about major league soccer stuff i think for me the last thing is um that year that 2017 year for the real monarchs briggs had chandler hoffman um as a striker and chandler hoffman scored 16 goals that year i'm interested to see uh this offseason if it's a priority for briggs to be like i need that big solid consistent goal scorer i don't find it in belmar i need to find it in this person yeah um and he had that that year and it was huge for him that year um uh, like i said dane kelly won the golden boot with 18 so chandler hoffman was only two away yep um and so that that i think is interesting at least worth noting and just just another note that's 32 games chandler hoffman had 18 goals 16 Oh, sorry, sixteen. Dane Kelly had eighteen. Dane Kelly had eighteen. Dane Kelly had eighteen goals in with the 30, Golden Boot. Thirty-two yeah. games. Junior Flemings had fourteen. Yeah, in in half a season. Fifteen games. Crazy. I mean, insane. Bro. Like, he was right there. He was. He would have been one of the top goal scorers in the league that year. Anyway, um, yeah. no, I, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying, and I went back and watched some of those 2017 Real Monarchs games. Specific. Well, I I wanted to watch against Phoenix, but Phoenix was just a different team in 2017, and it so it yeah. didn't really translate. Yeah. Um, Schultz, so Schultz was like an interim. Their head coach Chance Chance. Yeah. Chance was a the, an interim that year, and then they hired a French guy, and he didn't last like a year, and then Chance came in again as an interim, and then just stuck permanently. Yeah. There's a so, lot of turnover there at that time. So I did watch some Real Monarchs against Reno, and by the way. The Monarchs played very well against Reno. I think they beat them like five yeah. to three. And that and was Reno like four to one or something a like great that. Great season for them. Um, the Monarchs had, rather than their goal scoring threats coming from the wings, like I feel like Sacramento's was this year, mm-hmm. their goal scoring threats came from the middle. It was Chandler Hoffman and Sebastian Velasquez. Velasquez, in yeah. Velasquez, Velasquez. I don't know. In the middle, so it was their their number nine and their number ten, and that's where they countered from. Right. Well, they countered on the wing, got the ball into the middle to those guys. And there was always someone on the far post. Mm, yeah. Always someone on the far post. It didn't matter if you were the yeah. a midfielder, Dang. you were a winger, you were a forward. There was always someone on the far if post. Formella can get to that far post. If anyone can get to that far <laughs> yeah, post, fair, apparently. So fair. the team, like, I, I think exactly what you said about the forward is right. And I am, I'm wondering if maybe it's true of also the number 10 position. Is it Roro? Is it Panagos? As, as Nolan, Nolan said? has is very uh, highly touted. Yeah, as a potential uh, prediction is for next it, year. Is it somebody else that's not on this team right now? Yep. Um, that'll be very interesting going forward. So let's wrap this up with our last uh, little question here, Zach. What does this season mean for Sacramento as they build toward Major League Soccer? I think it. I think it's. So it was interesting this year because it's with COVID. We didn't expect this. 
There's an extra year now. We're in the USL now for an extra year. So I felt the team did try and mix in that like win now, focus on now mentality of like, hey, we've never missed the playoffs. We need to be like we have this reputation. We need to win now. We need players that can help us win now. But also we're going to be in MLS soon and we need to start developing young talent. I thought they did a pretty good job of doing that and mixing that in. Maybe I would have liked to have seen it more as far as the minutes we've given to young players but at the same time this is by far the most minutes we've seen given to academy players mm-hmm. um, yep. in a season um, for all of Sacramento's history so I think I think that as far as from a development standpoint as far as looking ahead to MLS we did a good job maybe not a great job but a good job of mixing in both that um, win now uh, mentality and also developing young players. Do you think Briggs showed you anything that you would um, that that maybe makes you think, yeah, this guy could coach in Major League Soccer, and I wouldn't mind if Republic went that way. Or is the jury still out? The jury, the the jury is very much still out for me. For I'm, sure, yeah. I'm I want to see a full season for sure. Yeah, I again, you're I think you you said it exactly right. Like you can't. It, this would have had to be like an amazing 16 games for mm-hmm. us to go like, yeah. yeah, MLS is for him. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious because Sacramento gave Mark Briggs a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. This was when they were supposed to come into the league in two years. Right? After that, two years is up. So I kind of was thinking like, okay, that allows them to evaluate him for Major League Soccer. And if he's the guy then he's your guy. You can you sign him again, right? Sign him mm-hmm. to a new contract. Yeah. If he's not the guy, you get to choose someone else. But it's kind of odd to me because if you look at other expansion clubs and how they build their expansion teams, they have their coach in early. They have them there a year early and they get to you know pick their coaching staff and evaluate players and yeah. really build their team. So I'm wondering if Briggs was brought in under the impression of, you're the USL coach. You mm-hmm. will not be the Major League Soccer coach. Yeah. But we will help you revitalize your career. Mm-hmm. Your job is to play kids. Yeah. And we will write you a glowing recommendation wherever you land or whatever like Which that. coming from Sac Republic is a big deal. Right. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I still lean. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's brought back for like another year or maybe at the end of his two years, Briggs is like, why don't, I'll say another year. He either say, I'll say another year, or, well, I've got this opportunity to go to a different team and be the guy and be more secure. Yeah. Something like that. So That would make sense, too. I could see that, yeah. Um, so with that with that mentality in mind, I would yeah. expect the homegrown minutes, the, the young player minutes to go up, as you've said. Mm-hmm. I would expect Sargis to continue to play a lot. I would expect... Which he's earned and deserved. Yeah, I I would expect, as no one wants, Penegos to get more minutes. Juaregui, Chavez, all of those guys to get more minutes. And by the way, the Sacramento U19 team, they've got some guys there. There's there's center forwards there. There is more central midfielders. We do consistently, for years now, have had guys there. So I would expect, as this team builds for Major League Soccer, a couple of these guys, like... Juaregui or Chavez, mm-hmm. they might get a first-team contract or uh, somebody else. They might get a first-team contract that allows them, the club, to bring more a- academy players on amateur deals to the yeah. first team. That's what I would uh, s- suspect. Have they done what they needed to do 
building toward major league soccer i think you kind of get a pass because it's COVID. yeah um it's do over yeah yeah start again next year and i think you get a pass uh in in terms of only playing one guy but that one guy you played played a lot yeah starters and he played well and he's now being talked about for the u20s so Mm -hmm. i think you national team yeah you basically get a a passing grade and it's just like like i don't know like you know, passing grade, you and know, we're hopeful for next year. You know, in college, how some classes aren't like you get a grade. You just you either pass the class or you don't. Yeah, that's kind of how I see this. You passed, and that's it. We, yeah, fair. There's no A, B, C, or D, or whatever. This year, there's you not. You just pass. Yeah. Yep. Um, I next year, though, you do well. Yeah. With what we hope will be a full season. Yeah. You'll be graded a little with bit harsher. Fans with fans. Yep. Anything else, Zach? You want to add before we get out of here? And nah, uh, I think that's it, bro. Yeah, and you know what? I'm really excited to start uh, thinking about. The season end of season superlatives yeah. are the most surprising. It's a and fun time. It's a fun time. Yeah. It'll it's be a, a bit good consolation price. <laughs> yeah, but it will be fun. Well, all right. That's gonna be it for us. So as always, glory, glory. Sacramento. Sacramento.